seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 116 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect people at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for amazingly 116 episodes as we start to round out this year, I have my main man with me still, Brian Allen. How is it going today, dude? Oh, going pretty good. Uh, it sounds like we're going to actually have some wintry weather here this weekend. So we'll hopefully everything holds up. <laughs> if you want, I can box up some of the snow I have. Maybe I some dry ice and ship it to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's been interesting, you know, with the weather. It's one of the things I've had to get used to here is right when it like in in Texas, when it gets cold, like it is miserable. Like it gets windy and damp and it's just gross. And it's ice everywhere, even before you get the snow. Here, it pretty much stays normal. Then snow just drops for like a day or two. And then it just stays low enough that you don't get a lot of extra snow. What you have just kind of sits around for like a week. So in our case, it snowed last weekend. Temperature stays in like the mid to upper 20s. So it's just the snow stays around. We'll get a little bit more over the next day or two. But then that's just going to be about it. But the temperature, it's though it's low, like we went and walked around and everything, and it's just not as bad. You don't have wind blowing. Even in a place that's known for rain, it doesn't really stay damp in the air. So it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. It's one of the few times I can see snow and go like, yeah, this isn't miserable. So, yeah, I hope your wintry mix, as they call it, because before it hits the actual snow point. <laughs> like it's a record or something. This is the wintry mix. Yeah, exactly. It's the throwback, right? But yeah, I, I hope it actually isn't too bad for y'all because I, I know how that can get down there for sure. Now, before we get into things today, we do want to give a shout out to our show sponsor at Cardsphere. So check them out if you haven't. They are a great place to buy, sell, trade, pick up cards at the price you want, sell them at the price. Matter of fact, I finished out a sliver deck a commander deck with a couple of cards that I just didn't have. I went and put them on my want list and no lie within about 24 hours or so, I had fourth messages of people sending me cards. So matter of fact, I got the last one yesterday. So finished out my deck. Like it was pretty cool, pretty much painless process. It works a little bit differently. So, you know, a little bit of a learning curve, but once you figure it out, it's a pretty sweet website and you should just support them because they support a lot of cool people in the magic community. Support those that support the people you care about. And if you want to support the show directly, you can go over to patreon.com slash color of magic, where we want to give a shout out to one of our patrons of Chantel Campbell, who appears to be a magic grinder of sorts, if you will. So competitive player, but also a very positive person on Twitter to follow. So if you want to go follow somebody fun that supports the show, go look up Chantel. And we also have two new patrons. We got to give some love to to Keith Page and Ben Packer. Thank you so much for coming on board and supporting the show. We really, really, really appreciate it. And then finally, if you want to get something for yourself and support the show, go over to colorofmtg.com slash shop and you can pick up some tokens and play mats. Also, y'all need to hit us up on Twitter and let us know, would you rather see us on tokens as samurai or as some type of like Android, Technobot sort of thing. Because trying to think about like 
what we want to do for Kamigawa. Or if you have other ideas, let us know, because I want to make some Kamigawa tokens and get those out as quick as we can. So y'all let us know what you want to see me and Brian done up ass in the next uh, round of tokens. Now, all that business being handled, boy, do we have a show today. We're going to have a lot of fun things to talk about. But this one, this is almost a continuation of last week. Where I told you I thought I had some trolls that were targeting my stuff. Turns out I was right. Not necessarily for the ways I thought they were. But there were a few rumblings and I did some research and I got a hold of a couple people. Turns out there's a couple of groups and some threads out on the internet that were encouraging people to go and basically sabotage content of creators, regardless of what type it was, to discourage them from doing alchemy-related content for Magic. So instead of just being like, hey, let's boost up all the standard content so we can show people that people are interested in this and they will keep making the thing I want them to make, they took the other tactic and decided we're going to make an actual movement to try to sabotage alchemy content at all costs. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, cause, cause here's the thing, like mine sucked for me a little bit, but like I could sustain that. Right. I have a little bit of an audience. I have a little bit of a reach. I knew it wasn't going to be miserable. I just knew something was going on and I couldn't pinpoint it immediately. But imagine being a creator that's new. You know, let's say you've got, sub 500 maybe even sub 300 numbers on your channels you're working hard you're trying to put together scrap together a video or two maybe your standard content wasn't hitting the way you wanted so you're like you know what i'm gonna try this alchemy thing because people are at least interested in it right now people are looking for new content maybe i could be one of the first people doing some sweet stuff in that format whatever and now you're getting punished for something you have nothing to do with Maybe you were even doing standard stuff and weren't getting the traction you wanted. So you're just trying something new. And these people are putting together an effort to go and actively, literally punish these people for doing nothing wrong. Like, that that's some garbage human level stuff. Let's be real. Like, if... That's like... I, I think I used the analogy on stream the other day. Like, it's like going to a restaurant. You have your favorite dish on the menu. But maybe you're one of like 20 people that orders that every week. So they're like, you know what? We're going to take this off the menu and we're going to put this other thing on there. And then you walking in and just berating each person who buys the new entree. It sounds insane and ridiculous when you say it, but that's basically the same thing. Still the same restaurant, still serving the same food type of food you like, but the thing you liked on the menu isn't getting the attention anymore, and now you're going to hate this new thing just because other people like it. And now you're going to be mad at the people who bought it. Like, come on. Like, go, don't get me wrong. Like, if you don't like it, send Wizard, you know, tag them in tweets on Twitter. Send them a thing on their Instagram. Send a message to their customer service, right? Do all the proper things you need to do. Express your dislike of the thing. You should do that as a fan, as a consumer of their product nothing wrong with that but to attack genuinely innocent and in most cases already struggling creators is just 
it's just wrong. It's just ill-informed. It just, there's nothing, genuinely nothing positive is going to come out of that. Like, even if you get, let's say a handful of them just do struggle and they're like, you know what? This isn't working. A bunch of people downvoted all my stuff. I'm getting a bunch of negative posts and comments, whatever. I'm just going to go back to doing standard. That's not going to change anything. Like the people who have the reach and the people that have the audiences or whatever, they're just going to keep doing what they want to do because they already have the following. If anything, you're going to drive all the alchemy content to the biggest creators that already have the biggest reach, and then more people are going to see it, (laughs) right? So you're not really solving your problem. But it's so disappointing that people want to take that level of effort. And not only that, organize efforts to go attack people over something so simple. Like, seriously, just, just stop. And if anything, again, go to your favorite creators, especially right now where people, you know, because I'll admit, like I had to do extra work to make sure I had stuff up over the holiday break, partly because I was going to take a couple days off. I also knew other people weren't going to be posting things. So I wanted to make sure stuff was out there. You know what? There's other creators that were doing the same. Go out there, like their videos, share a couple of their things, go leave a positive comment. Pop up the stuff you like. You don't necessarily have to go hate and downvote the things you don't like. Again, especially now it's one thing if they're doing something completely that you find morally, ethically, constitutionally, whatever, just wrong, then great. Go hate on it. But if they're just playing the game you play, playing in a different way or whatever, don't hate. Let them have their thing. Hell, I talk about it all the time. I I play commander. I will probably I play commander in the most casual way positive possible. I will not probably ever play competitive commander, but you're not going to catch me out there downvoting people's videos and hating on their Twitter post or whatever. I'm just like, cool. If there's a community for it, let them enjoy it. It's not for me. That's okay. I can still play the game the way I want to play it, but go support the people making the content you enjoy. And I mean that sincerely all the time. If you aren't actively doing it, who's going to do it? Right. Make sure they get their time. Make sure, you know, go give them their flowers, as they say, like if they're doing good work. Make sure it's known and seen and hopefully help them grow. So you get more of what you want. Not hating on the stuff you don't like. That's not how it works. The more you share, boost, comment, talk about whatever the things you do like, the more and more of that will be seen. All right. I'm done. I'm going to pass the soapbox over to you, dude. Because I know you've got a good one today, too. Yeah, dealing with some more uh, garbage human beings, basically. EA has had to ban people from signing up for their gamer IDs in various games with the name Kyle Rittenhouse, the Kenosha shooter. This wasn't, you know, two or three people. Enough people wanted to do this that EA had to say, okay, that name is banned. WTF, people. Just sweat. Man, you know when they tell you sometimes you want to just lose faith in humanity? Yeah. Because, <laughs> again, if it's, you know, five or ten people, this probably doesn't even rise to the list. So they had, I'm going to guess, at least a couple of thousand people that thought, hey, it'd be really funny to sign up as Kyle Rittenhouse. Not only are you not funny, you're not even original because it sounds like thousands of other people had the same stupid idea. 
Well, yeah, and also consider they do make a lot of shooting games. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't even know, man. I, I got no words for that. Like, I like, why? Like, why? Like, I, like seriously, I'm just here going like, what? What are you getting out of that? Trying to do bad edge lord humor. It's just, I, I can't even. You know, we were talking about this pre-show. Like, how bad is your life that that's what you think is a good idea? Yeah. You know, how much hate are you carrying? That you just have to basically brandish and label it and put it out to the world that you hate that much. And I mean, for for a while, it was just in recent years that Sony made it to where you could actually change your PlayStation ID. That's true. That is so for years. Happy. People were stuck with whatever dumb thing they picked out when they were trying to be funny or when they were 12 years old, you know, or if they happened to support a celebrity that had a fall from grace. Like a lot of people, a lot of people legitimately had, you know, Bill Cosby related IDs because they thought Bill Cosby was funny. And then, of course, all the other stuff comes out and some people were stuck with that. Cause again, it was just within the past maybe two or three years that Sony actually lets you change your ID. Ah, I was just thinking that would be rough if you had like a reference to like fat Albert or pudding pops or yeah. Cliff, Cause 10 Cliff years Hux ago or something. Who, who known? I just been, you know, Hey, I like Bill Cosby. I think he's funny. It was, was what a, a lot of people did. I'm sure like lots of singers have that. I'm sure people probably, you know, hell, somebody probably had R Kelly. Cause Oh, sure. Man, that's I didn't even think about it. that's that's a rough one. Like man, because I could see somebody because like Fat Albert was a cool cartoon. Right. I could see somebody having that, but then all the news comes out and now you're you're in a weird spot, right? Because you you like the person's work, but you no longer support the person. It's it's the whole thing people are doing right now with with uh this is a little kind of trending off topic a little bit here, but it's like what everybody was doing with the whole JK Rowling stuff, right? Yeah. We're like your Harry Potter fans. You've got like I don't know your your Harry Potter house, your Hogwarts house on your stuff or whatever. But then now you're kind of like, Ugh, do I even want to wear this T-shirt anymore? You know, like I get it. Like that's ugh, man, that's rough. Yeah, so but God, I, I feel like every week we're saying like, hey, something something incredibly stupid. Don't do that. Come on, people, don't do this. <laughs> Yeah, like this shouldn't even cross your mind as being a good idea. Lately, here's the reality. Despite, like, let's take away even the fact that people could be upset or whatever, right? What does this do to your image? Like, how are people going to view you? What potential interactions are you going to not get? Because you have that on there. You know, all these tryhards, they're like, oh, I want to be a professional gamer. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be better than this person. I want to make, I want to stream. I want to, like, you think that's going to go over well and you're going to get a quality audience with a name like Kyle Rittenhouse on your account? Like, none of those things are going to come to fruition. Like, literally nothing good comes out of you having this. That's a, yeah, that's the image you want to put out for you. You might, like you said, how many interactions are you preventing yourself from having? Because people see that name and they're, I mean, one way or the other, they're going to be, they're going to be, you know, they're going to have some kind of reaction. And let's be honest, 
70 to 80 percent of the reactions are gonna be bad like why do you this is the person you want to hang out or be friends with online by the way did you see whatever ridiculous and and i and i'm not saying ridiculous because it's conservative i'm saying ridiculous because the event was ridiculous and it happened to be a conservative convention that they had like this stage it had these huge light up electric boards crowd was packed into this building and they had DJs and walkout music for Kyle Rittenhouse. I know that's all the thing. What just what in the past really 15 to 20 years has happened to the Republican party. Like literally wrote a song for the guy and had him come out to it. And then the crowd's like cheering for him. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, and here's the thing. I'm going to be real. We've talked about it before. We grew up in the South. We have each have some conservative friends, hell, even some conservative family members. But yo, when y'all talk about a cult, this is, this is cult status, right? Like this, this is people that are acting in very abnormal ways for very peculiar reasons. Like this is not positive. So I yeah. Mean, if, if you think the court case went right, uh, okay, well, I vehemently sure. disagree. You're welcome to your opinion on that. But under no circumstances, is this dude like a rock star. He, he killed people. Here's the thing. Let's put it in comparison for black people, right? OJ was found not guilty. At no point did OJ come out for a speaking engagement and we hoot and hollered and lost our mind. We kind of went like, all right, still looks a little odd, but okay, cool, whatever. You You walked away. And then that's it. That was the end of it. It wasn't like there was some people not that, like, hey, you know, NAACP convention yeah. next week, OJ, which is basically like what this is. Yeah, it's this, crazy. Is, this is a conservative. This is about to be a mainstream conservative event. And don't get me wrong. Like there were supporters for OJ, especially people that were fans of his football career and all that, like that still supported him and whatever. But they weren't like this, like just not even close. Like, he didn't show up for a talk show or an interview and people just swarmed to get a ticket. Right? That's not what was going on. Like, I, this is this is next level, man. Yeah, I mean, OJ is effectively, I mean, not broke, but, I mean, he will never be OJ financially again because most people have no desire to work with him. Whereas Rittenhouse is getting, you know, coveted White House, or not White House, but, you know, congressional internships and job offers. Think about that. We are offering somebody in this country high-level job offers and internships because they successfully got away with shooting two people. Like, how ridiculous. Not even... And even if you think he had the right to defend himself or whatever, fine. But that in no way qualifies him. Yeah, you want to tie your brand to him? (laughs) To do these jobs. Like, literally, he's only getting the opportunity because he had a court case for being involved in shooting two people. That has to drive you crazy if you actually are qualified and apply for the damn jobs. 
Like seriously. Which just thousands of people did. Went to Ivy League schools, did all the, the community work and the things you are supposed to do to try to get one of those coveted positions, you know, in Congress. That's got to be mind numbing to you. It and has this dude be. jumped to the front of the line by killing two people. Yeah, like I, that is unreal. Unreal. So I don't think they've thought very hard about the message that that sends. Hey, why do the work? Just go. go find go, a way go. to be, sensationalize yourself. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, anytime people ask, like, oh, so because I support this, you just don't want to hang out with me anymore. Like, yeah. Yeah. In for this real. Case, the answer is yes. <laughs> like, for real. And I have no doubt when we get back to going to game stores and events again or whatever. There's some people that I'm just not going to roll with anymore. I mean, we talked about it with some friends we grew up with effectively yeah. over the last decade and a half. Like some of those people, I just ain't going to be rolling with. Oh, you can't, you know, you, you can't have friends with different politics. There's a difference between like, hey, we disagree on how much Bill Gates should get taxed and you think it's cool to shoot two people and get a good job for it. That's not a political difference. That is a fundamental difference in our value system and the way we see the world at that point. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I wish more people understood that. Right? It's not just your political beliefs. Because, again, we have conservative folks in our lives. The problem and the difference is that when you specifically support somebody or something that actively wants to do harm to me, that becomes a problem. You know, and I can't support you. I can't support your business. I don't want you hanging out with me. Like, it becomes an unsafe situation. And I know to the people who think that way, it sounds like uh, you're being a snowflake and you're wanting to sensationalize a thing and make it bigger than it is or whatever. But no, it's literally like, I don't know how to trust you. Like, you support things that want my demise. Like, why would I hang out with you? <laughs> like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, why would I support your business? Why would I go to your events? Like, I, like I've told people before, coming out the other side of this pandemic, there are things that are going to change. And there will be different groups and different events and different things that I will and won't support that I didn't before because now we just know more about people. That, that for me, has probably been the best thing about the pandemic. And I think some of these companies like EA, they're finding out the same thing about what they thought about their customers. You know, you might have thought it wasn't as big of a problem in the gaming community. Well, a bunch of things came to light. Now you know. But anyway, let's get to... Uh, some other interesting things this week. And, you know, as always, we like to talk about what we learn every week. So, Brian, why don't you tell people about what interesting fact you found out this week? This is going to be, I guess, for some people, good, some people, bad, depending on how you feel about Fortnite. But I mean, you can't deny it's a monster hit made Epic a whole lot of money. And it looks like they may have another one in the pipeline. This one is called Rumbleverse, and it's very, it's, I guess, kind of Fortnite-esque, but it's a 40-player battle royal, and it's all fighting-themed, basically. That sounds kind of cool. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, I very. Uh, there's a very heavy pro-wrestling influence here for uh, those of you in the audience that are 
into that as Dequad and I are. I think this, and by the way, it's going to be um, Iron Galaxy is working on this. They've done some incredible fighting games. They worked on the Killer Instinct franchise for a while. They went, a lot of you may remember Dive Kick, a fighting game where literally all you do is kick. <laughs> so that was just. Man, I'm just thinking like, I'm, I'm thinking like Fortnite style game. So I'm like, can I like, dive bomb somebody with an elbow off a building <laughs> i think that's probably a thing you'll be able to do from the looks of what i've seen so far and of course yeah special special weapons to smack people upside the head with i'm just thinking if i could like suplex somebody into a wall yes, or like I... spear somebody off a bridge like there's just so many things i can think right? of that sound awesome like i don't even know if i'll ever play it i might watch a lot of footage of this game though yeah this, gonna is, this, this is just Gonna be ripe, I think, for content creators and streamers. Because, like you said, those, just those great moments of somebody getting suplexed off a building or but dude, spearing but the, through a brick wall. Think about the content you could make, where you could make montages where you're using like the JR clips over it, right? Like you could do RKO's out of nowhere would be fun. Like there's just so much stuff you could do. Like. My mind is already racing on like amazing content we're gonna see from this. Like that alone is probably gonna make that game sell, right? And we know how Epic, you know, will kind of get as close as they legally can to using different touchdown oh, sure. celebrations or day. So yeah, there'll probably be some RKO style emotes. Or you know, another interesting thing too. This is something else we talked about. Was that I remember seeing Fortnite. And I want to say maybe PUBG, right? When they had first were shown at uh, PAX West. And when I tested those games, I, I remember... Because, you know, all the games have, like, long lines, but they have a bunch of screens set up so people can test stuff and try them out. And I remember getting done, and the dude's asking me, well, what do you think about this game? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, eh, it's not really my jam. So I probably won't play much of it or whatever. And they immediately were like... Mm, so you don't think it's going to be a success or whatever? And I was like, no, the exact opposite. I think you're going to make a crap ton of money. And they were kind of confused by that. You know, and I get because gamers or people really in general, if we like it, it's going to make millions. If we hate it, it's going to suck and be terrible. Right. But being objective, like I looked at those games and I thought I could see how people would enjoy this. I'm looking around at other people's enjoyment while they're playing it. And I'm like, obviously, this is going to be a thing people enjoy. Right, you're gonna make a lot of money on it. Just not gonna be for me, and that's okay. Conversely, there's games I really enjoy that I knew weren't gonna be big, but I thought they were kind of fun and interesting, and that's fine. But this sounds like one that could be. Now I don't know if it'd be a Fortnite because Fortnite feels like it was the right time and it was the right game. Yeah. But if this is even like half of a Fortnite, they're still gonna make a pile of money. Right. Man, that sounds like a cool idea for them. And and even, there's a lot of people, you know, that all like we talked about shooters might not be their jam, but they love fighting games. And I think if you love, you know, when, when has there ever been a 40 person elimination fighting game? To my knowledge, there hasn't been anything. Yeah, like never. That. And not only that, there's companies out there right now for those of you that are wrestling nerds like AEW, Ring of Honor. Uh, impact right they would likely sign licensing deals for something like this so you could get your favorite skins or outfits yeah. or 
wrestling moves or whatever worked into the game. That could be, or hell, maybe you go make a deal with Capcom and you, you know, people can Hadouken all they want or yeah. whatever, right? Like, the doors are pretty wide open on something like that. Because Epic already has both of those partnerships in place. I mean, have you seen Fortnite? Fortnite has pretty much become the game from Ready Player One where everybody is in it. Oh, yeah, it's it's meme central at this point. They got to think both the alien and the predator, uh, Superman, but everybody is in this game. So there's no reason you can't have that in a fighting simulator effectively where you've got that many people. I think that could be a lot of fun for folks. So I'm yeah. sure they already got the contract where all these partnerships are open-ended and for a certain time they'll be able to appear in whatever game Epic puts out in this genre. I mean, imagine being able to like buy a Macho Man skin with right. like a crazy hat and tassels and the glasses or whatever. Like, Or you could dress up like Sting or you yep. get a big-ass Ric Flair robe. Like, <laughs> or again, like we're saying, you could get I don't know. You can get your guy gets like the Guile haircut from Street Fighter. Yep. <laughs> like and Guile's so music because it goes with everything. Yeah. There's so many cool things you could do. So yeah, that that sounds awesome. Do they have a release date on that? Uh, I, I believe February is the target date right now. Like everything, you know, I guess in 2021 slash 2022, probably subject to change. But right now they're saying February. Oh, so that's right around the corner. Man, I I might check that out. Even if I don't end up playing it full time, I think it'd be cool just to goof around with every once in a while. Well, yours is way more fun than mine. Uh, Because unfortunately, I guess this was Tuesday afternoon evening. We found out that one John Madden had passed at the age of 85. And, you know, we bring this up on the show because, you know, we're both sports fans. We've, We've talked about that before. But Madden is one of those... I don't even want like personalities really that nobody seems to have a negative word about, you know, if you're watching all these videos over the last 72 hours or so, everybody is glowing about, which by the way, I also want to say not to be funny, but amazing timing by him considering on Christmas, they did that whole special where he got to see everybody talking about him and like kind of a, this is your life sort of thing from the perspective of all the people you'd interacted with. So that, that was really cool. So if you haven't seen that, go look it up. You can probably still find it on your streaming services. I believe it was on Yeah, Fox. I think it's on Peacock and everybody, if you have NFL Network on whatever, yeah, you can go however find you it get out your there. TV, it's on there in constant rotation. But it's such a cool special, honestly. It really was. But they talked about, even with his players way back when, you know, they, they were all saying, like, he only had two rules. You show up for everything on time, whether that's practice, meetings, trips, whatever, and then you play your butt off on the field. Everything else will make work, you know, and it's amusing, too, because he's always been known for simplifying things and making them interesting. And it's funny that that applied even to his players. Like, we're not going to have all these crazy rules, but these are the two rules. Everything else is built around these, you know, because... We talked about it before. One of the things he did better than anybody else up to that point, nobody else had considered doing color commentary as simple as he made it. You know, because everybody wants to, like, you know, we talk about the technicalities of sports sometimes, but you have to be into the sport to understand. You know, you'd get somebody on commentary talking about, well, this guy's 
in a 3-4 defense and he's lining up in a three technique here and he's got to do block. But like, unless you're into football, you don't know what any of that crap means. Right. But he would just tell you like, okay, well, this linebacker, his goal here is to take this running back. And then if he stays in the backfield, rush the quarterback. Boom. Done. Right. That's all you had to know. Like, what is this dude trying to do? You would get uh, great stuff about cankles. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or or he'd tell you about whatever some like little school in the middle of nowhere, the 1974 fighting artichokes or something. (laughs) And, you know, that's a real thing. And he'd give you like the history on it. Right. But. He was able to make things that were complicated, things that were boring, things whatever, like interesting. It's and also then, great that, you know, depending on the, the, how you know John Madden depends on how old you are. Because, okay, like even I'm, and I'm, you know, <laughs> we, we, we're on the older end, especially sure. in the gaming space. But even we don't really remember him coaching. We were probably two or three years old when he was coaching. No, I've watched footage of him coaching. Yeah. We remember him as a broadcaster because he was a broadcaster for a large portion of our life. And then, of course, my kids only know that it's a video game. (laughs) They they were shocked to find out, wait, Madden is a person? And here's (laughs) the thing. People don't know, but he basically worked for each of the major networks that has carried football at some point during his commentary career. So he ran the gamut. He was on all the major shows. You know, even, even when it came to the video game, he only agreed to do it if they were able to implement actual football plays and yeah. use his actual commentary and whatever. So he was hands on for the first probably five or six years of it. Because, again, we're, we're going to show our age. But, I mean, before Madden, it was not uncommon for people to make a football game where you played five on five, which is. Oh, yeah. Or, or you get some football. And you had like on Nintendo, I think you had John Elway's quarterback. And then Sega Genesis did the Joe Montana's quarterback, which was pretty generic commentary, unless you were Joe Montana, then it used actual like things, which was kind of funny. But yeah, until Madden, you didn't get like the full scale, like, you know, trying to find teams, actual like playbooks. You know, it it really changed things. Because apparently when they were trying to figure out how to put actual, because in previous games, like Tecmo Bowl, I think you had perhaps four plays. Yeah. So yeah. your opponent always had pretty much a 25% chance of immediately being able to blow up whatever you were <laughs> doing because they were only four plays. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I'd say in general, like it's one of those things where even where people didn't necessarily know of John Madden, which, by the way, I was surprised to find out how many people outside the U.S. even knew who John Madden was. That was very surprising. But his impact on things and affecting gaming, affecting commentary, affecting sports, you know, like there's a lot of people that you're finding out over this week that really were influenced by things he was directly involved in or started or whatever. So he's just one of those characters that transcended his actual career significantly. I mean, he had basically almost like three or four different careers, and they were all Hall of Fame worthy. If he had just been a coach, he's a Hall of Famer. If he had just been a broadcaster, they said he won 16 Emmys. He would he yeah. could have gone to the Hall of Fame just as a broadcaster. We haven't even talked about the video game yet, which has been basically revolutionized video game and sports game culture. Any one of the, he had three separate Hall of Fame careers, basically. Oh, and everybody said he was a great interviewer. Right. He was cool at like engaging people. They even said like he would show up early 
like a day before they were going to do their game or whatever. And he would go to the team's facilities and he would have personal conversation with everybody. Like he did his research. He knew people's background. He'd ask, you know, how your mom and them, you know, how's your brother doing, you know, whatever. Like the dude was just on top of it. It's amazing. And here's a fun tidbit. He actually did not want to go in the Hall of Fame unless he went in as a coach. Like, even though they were saying, like, oh, obviously with being a commentator and being the biggest personality in the game, whatever, he's like, nope, I'm not wanting to go until I go in as a coach. It was that important to him. Like, that, that's just awesome. Like, willing to say, like, I am willing to not go in the Hall of Fame if I don't go in as a coach. Like, whereas most people would just be like, hell yeah, I get into a yeah. Hall of Fame, I'm in. You know what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> anyway to get me in there. Yep. So, yeah, I just figured that was a, a interesting story to share, though it is sad. He is a person that has a big impact. And it's cool to see that I haven't seen a bunch of footage of people crying. I've seen a bunch of people celebrating. And because I, I think about that, like, at the end of my life, I don't want a bunch of people crying. I want people to look and say, like, man, he did a lot of positive things. He had a good life. He enjoyed things like there's all this cool stuff to talk about. Let's celebrate life instead of like being sad about it. You know, and that, that's what's been cool to see the most this week. But that aside, let's get into some regular news topics today. So we talked about it last week a bit with Wizards of the Coast doing some special promotions for Kamigawa. Right. We talked about that backpack from Beetle and Grimm, which I still think is pretty sweet. But they're doing some other promotions, too, which are pretty interesting. Uh, one of the big ones being that they decided they're going to take one of the legendary cards from the set and they're going to give it four different neon treatments, which is pretty interesting. We're going to get one promo done four different ways, but each one is going to be its own level of rarity because they're only going to be done for certain activities. Uh, for example, one of them you're only going to be able to get by going to WPN premium stores and participating in an event sometime in either February or March next year. I actually think this is a cool way to do promos. Because all of them will have some level of rarity because it's not going to be the same promo technically used four times. It's the same card, but a different treatment on the art. So if somebody wants to collect them all, or if you just want one with a different level of rarity or whatever it is, you can go hunt down the one you want. And they're using it specifically to create an activity behavior, if you will, that they want, which is also good. So this I, I love, you know. Um, I also saw another one where this one's regional to Japan, but apparently they got, I guess, a local artist signature that did one of the artworks and they're inserting, I think, 20 of them into different products there. So it's going to be like a one in 20, kind of like what you get in sports cards where there's like the rare, you know, game worn jersey piece or something or whatever. Right. So they're doing that sort of thing. But I think these are neat promotions. I don't have a problem with them. Now, some people were upset that like they're not doing the insert thing across the world. But I did explain on Twitter to people, having been there, sometimes what happens is there are promotions that only run in certain regions. Like, And we've had stuff in the U.S. for certain programs and store stuff that they don't get elsewhere. There's a lot of reasons. Some of them are actually depending on the products themselves. And I may have mentioned it on an early episode of the show. But there's some things that you just can't produce or ship or whatever cross-country overseas without paying certain taxes or whatever. They're just problems. Other times, it's about timing, right? This feels like a situation where somebody on the Japanese team had an idea. 
They were able to probably get with the artists that could sign the cards on short notice. And then you had a printing facility that also was able to sustain the product or at least implement the product, I guess is the, the proper term there. Whereas you may not have been able to do that with all your facilities. So not everybody's going to get that one. But regardless, it's cool to see that we're trying new things. I would assume the Japanese promotion will probably be used as a test case to see if it moves the needle at all on selling any boosters. And if it does, they'll probably use it again worldwide somewhere else when they have more time to implement it. But I, I like this type of stuff. I think it's cool that we're seeing promotions, prizes, inserts, whatever used in these different ways to engage people and create the behavior that you want. And you don't need any of these cards. There's regular versions you can open in booster packs. Like, we're not making new rare things that, oh, you have to have this to play or whatever. There's no exclusivity. This is just for the collectors, the whales, the whatever, that if you just want certain cool pieces, they exist. If not, you can get your regular ones and play. But I don't know. How do you feel when you see these types of promotions being put out there or being used, I guess, for gaming? You know, because we see it a lot in sports cards. Yeah, and as you said, this is kind of the, the this has been tested before by the sports card industry. When it's something is you know one of a hundred or one of twenty, it makes that it, it's like a psychological thing. It just makes it well, it physically makes it more rare, and then psychologically makes you want to try to track that thing down if you're that collector that feels like you have to have everything. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm on board. Like if you are a collector and you got the money, go for it. But if you're not, you can completely ignore it. Like, And then maybe you just happen to show up, say, to the store on the event the day of or whatever, and you still get one of these cards. So like, you still did the thing, and you didn't have to spend money to get it in some cases, or at least not extra money. You just paid your entry fee for the event or whatever. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board with it. This, this should be really cool. Uh, but there's some other uh, less fun news, if you will. So we talked about all the stuff with Blizzard Activision. I think everybody knows how bad that is. Uh, and to a lesser extent, Riot also had their own issues, which got a little bit of press. Now, granted, they weren't near as heinous as the Blizzard thing. But we did see, I guess if you want to call it, at least for all practical purposes, the conclusion of their lawsuit. And it turns out, a little bit of backstory here, but initially they were going to offer to settle for $10 million to the employees that were affected or whatever. And that seemed like an okay number. But then the state of California was reviewing it and said, well, 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 hold on. <laughs> With all these violations and all this stuff going on, our assessment is this could be anywhere between 50 million and 400 million. And then a little time went by and Riot came back and said, yeah, you know, you're right. How about we just settle for 100 mil? <laughs> we call 100 mil good. How does that work? Everybody agreed. So Wizard, or not Wizard, but Riot is going to be settling for $100 million in the settlement. Uh, they're going to have $80 million that goes directly to the, I guess, the class action suit and the defendants. Now, they said there could be up to 2,300 that are eligible. Obviously, they all have to sign on and agree and all that stuff. Some of them probably won't, but that's how many that are. The other $20 million will go to legal fees, state stuff, fines, whatever. But that does mean that each of these people, if everybody were to sign on, 
gets at least, I think that's $34,000 a person. Like, that's real settlement money. You know, I've, I've had one that was pretty rough where a bank decided they were going to charge brown people more than not brown people. And I think I got like $400. So, yeah, getting 34K is real loot, man. <laughs> and as you said, Blizzard is obviously watching because uh, their stuff, Riot was bad. I think Blizzard was even more egregious. So, yeah, the number for Blizzard is going to be probably astronomical. Not that this isn't a huge number, but man. The thing is this, right? Like, and, like the stuff in the Riot case is bad, but believable. Like, we know companies do some dumb things, right? So, like, not a surprise. The stuff in the Blizzard case was, hell, heinous is the only word I have, right? Like, uh, abysmal, abominable. Like, I mean, like, just, like, lit- genuinely unbelievable. Like, we've talked about it on the show. Like, there were things you read in there and just went, how? How is this even possible? Like, things that you read happened in there, I genuinely would have thought people were just setting me up to be fired. Like, there's and no it, way. You just feel like every day there's a new revelation. It's like, no, it can't be. No, no major company. It, it is the most toxic frat boy culture run completely rampant for decades. Yeah. And like the riot stuff, again, is bad. But it was like, OK, people being passed over for jobs, you know, people not being looked at for certain things, you know, women not getting equal treatment, like things that are bad, but things that we know happen in the workplace that need to be fixed. The stuff at Blizzard was just, I, man. Just, like we talked about in the pre-show, some of the stuff, if you had written it as a script, you know, for a TV show about a horrible workplace, you'd be like, no, nah, tone it down. It's too much. No, nobody would, nobody would believe this. Like, wait, pub crawling at work <laughs> you know just dude let's put it this way there are shows on showtime hbo whatever that couldn't hold a candle to just like those scripts look like crap compared to the court document you read about blizzard activision like seriously they were that just that bad like i mm. yeah i can't see after after this I am going to be genuinely surprised if Blizzard gets to settle for less than four hundred million. I can't imagine it would. As you said, we'll see. But I mean, if just knowing what we know now, and as I mentioned, every day seems like there's a new revelation. So yeah, if they could, that that would probably be them getting in front of it if they brought an offer to the table for four hundred million. That's what I'm saying. I think that's the least they can get away for. And and put it, let's put it in perspective: four hundred million if I'm not mistaken, is basically what Hearthstone made last year. So you would be taking basically every dollar Hearthstone made and being like, well, we're going to have to pay it out to people. (laughs) So it's not like that's a small amount even for them when they're like ridiculous $7 billion in in money or whatever. But yeah. And now I will say that wasn't really, the money wasn't just the end of the settlement. They also have a bunch of other stuff as far as I believe having to have women on all the hiring panels, uh, they have to set a path for people who are temp workers. So they have a more clear path to hiring. Uh, I believe that's a thing. I'm trying to think there was, there was four or five other stipulations in there as well, though. So there there's definitely 
it wasn't just about the money. It was also about like, hey, going forward, we need to make the workplace better. You know, so we're definitely seeing seeing a lot of that. So hopefully that makes things better for the people that are still going to be at Riot. But it's interesting to kind of also see the the first domino fall, I guess, if you will, in these large gaming company court cases, because uh, that Blizzard one's going to be a big one. Uh, now, this next one, I'm not sure in some ways how we should even address this. So we're just going to kind of ride with it and see where it goes. But William Huey Jensen, who is a Magic Pro Hall of Famer, is going to work for a director of play programs for Wizards of the Coast, which he announced that on Twitter two days ago, I believe, which, of course, got people talking and not a big surprise you know, because of his past history being friends with one Owen Turtonwald, right? And for those of you who don't know, Owen was, I guess we have to say, at least accused at this point. I don't know what the final situation was of being a sexual harasser among other things and he was close friends with william jensen and reed duke who are both pro players hall of famers and they have since distanced themselves from him they both issued various levels of apologies and whatnot which the reason i bring this up is because when he announced this news of course everybody wanted to bring that up and talk about well you had friends you were friends with this guy and you never gave a the right apology, which, by the way, I've said it before in the show and I still stand by it. I could give a damn how perfect your apology is to me about anything ever. So I don't put a lot of stock in that. If you make a reasonable what I consider a reasonable effort to apologize, that's good enough for me. I just want to see your actions change. That's the thing. But it got me thinking, though, because I don't think this is going to affect his job at all. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But I, and maybe even you too, Brian, like have had situations where friends or family have done some screwed up things that you didn't know about. I know for sure I didn't know until they came to light and we were just like, what the hell? Right? So I don't think it's automatic that you know this behavior is going on. Hell, we talked about it back in the summer, right? We had a friend who we just found out apparently was cool with some racists. You know, and this is a guy we're talking about who had been in my life for, hell, 15 years, I think, at this point. Worked for me for a while. Been at each other's houses for, for holidays. You know, bought presents for birthdays. <laughs> like, you know, and then you're just looking around and going like, wait, what? You know, like, how is this a thing? Like was he was he code switching when he was around us? <laughs> yeah, right. And this is a person literally we were around all the time. Traveled with us to events, like yeah, like you said, worked for you. Yeah, I mean, like you name it. Like, and not once was there a thing. So I can totally see how how this would be a thing they didn't know about. You know, even there's a guy, uh, and I was telling you about this dude. He goes by Flimlo Rap Raps on. YouTube, F-L-E-M-L-O-R-A-P-S. And he does these cool documentaries that are anywhere between 15 and 30 minutes about ex-pro players and kind of sort of like a where where are they now sort of series. And he did one on Darren Sharper just this week. So the timing was perfect for the story. But Darren Sharper is a guy who was 
by all accounts, an amazing football mind. Him and his brother got drafted to the NFL the same year. Both had long careers. He was a five-time pro bowler, had tons of money, good-looking dude, like had the world at his hands. Then it turns out, dude had been roofing and raping people for about 15 years. Like, And every person around him was going like, the hell? And this is a dude who was in the public limelight every day. Now, admittedly, he had two or three people around that did know, but the majority of people that you would think would be people that would know, you know, you're talking about teammates that used to roll with them all the time, family that was hanging out with them, like none of them knew. So I get how this stuff happens. Now, one of the things, too, about the apologies, let me point it out that like, well, they didn't specifically mention Owen and didn't do this. I'm going to be real with you for a second. I don't put my own brother's name in a lot of my stuff because I'm pretty sure he's going to goof up at some point. I'm Hey, just being real about it. And I don't want that stuff brought back to me every time somebody goes looking it up or reading about it or whatever. Just don't need it. There's there's another person, which I, I won't name, but we talked about him a couple months back, actually about a year ago, where he had some very bad history with a local group to you, a board game group. And I don't mention his name in things because again, anytime somebody goes digging up stories on him, don't want it coming back to me. I didn't know any of this stuff was happening, but I also don't want to be dealing with it anymore. Like, so I can kind of get that. I get that some people want it more specific and you want to do this. And you want to hear certain things and whatever. That's cool. That's for you and the other person to deal with your relationship with them. I get it. But I think to me, it, it feels more genuine. If you said again, every, it'd be different if anybody didn't know who they were talking about. But since everybody already knew who they were talking about. I get it. I get it. And that matters to people. That doesn't also, change anything I, for me. I'm glad that, you know, people I'm glad that people at least asked the question and we're checking to make sure that wizards asked some questions. Yeah, absolutely. And and that brings up my my next point to the whole thing. Is that one, I have had the opportunity to at least on a professional level work with each of those guys being Reed and, and Huey. So from a professional standpoint. I don't have anything negative to say about their ability to do such a job. And I think Huey will be fine. The only knock from a professional standpoint I have on Huey is that I don't think he's ever, at least to my knowledge, really engaged with any casual formats. So I don't know if he's ever really played like Commander, Popper, Canadian Highlander, any of that other stuff, right? I don't know if, if, and I don't know how much that impacts what he will do, but that would be my one concern. Everything else, I think he'll be fine with handling. Well, you but, probably would know far better than I would. What is what is encompassed in the, the title director of play programs? Uh, it's still a fairly new position, but it's going to likely be a lot of the stuff as far as how things are integrated from organized play standpoint, stuff that probably goes into how things will tie into arena especially with us doing these promotions. Now that we talked about getting people in F and back to retail stores, it's probably going to be like, what are we doing to rehab that? Do we want standard to still be competitive and be a gateway to higher level play? I think all of that's going to be encompassed in that type of job. 
you know, how what that's going to mean, where that's going to go, what prizes need to be allocated to those things. The person in charge of that position will probably have a say in all those things, is what I would guess. Now, there's probably more to that added over time, but I don't know what those other things would be. But, you know, I will say this, you know, giving Wizards at least a modest amount of credit here, because I do believe that the people in those positions are smart enough to handle this type of hire. I have to say that with how much they tried to separate themselves from Owen, right? I mean, no longer part of the Hall of Fame, you know, doesn't get mentioned on anything, took his picture off all the stuff, you know, basically what the Saints did to Darren Sharper. (laughs) You would have to think at some point along the way, they probably both interviewed both Reed and Huey during that initial process. They've also, those guys have also been part of the MPL, so they've interacted with people at Wizards and whatever. There are enough interactions there that I have to assume that people already did their due diligence on that one. Like, maybe they didn't, but it only makes sense that for as much effort as they made there, that they had to have done something. You know what I mean? Like, we can't just constantly say people are always incompetent, blah, blah, blah. Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I would have to assume they they already did their walkthrough on that. But that said... I think it was at least worth bringing up on the show because of the past history. And, you know, people probably want to know, how do you feel about this or whatever? I think he's going to be fine for the job, personally. I Like I said, the some casual level stuff, but there also are other people in the building and probably people that will be working under him that have experience in that. So it's probably not as big of a deal. But that's that's my only concern. I think it's an interesting hire. And people forget he does also have the LGBT background, you know, in perspective to bring to that job and position as well, which is another thing that, you know, as much as we talk about what they're doing, you know, we've, they've since gone and hired a woman of color for their uh, director of, I guess, PR now, (laughs) basically, is what she's kind of become. And, you know, they, they got a good pickup in Elia the Veil. She started a couple months ago working for Wizards, and, you know, now you picked up Huey uh, going into next year. So they are making efforts to diversify their hires, and some of them in higher positions. So, you know, got to give at least that much credit where it's due. They're at least trying. Not think, not saying every, every hire is going to be perfect. Not everything's going to go perfect. But I'm at least willing to give credit and say, like, hey, these are the things we wanted them to do. These are, these are baby steps. Let's at least acknowledge it for what it is. But now let's talk about some stuff in the dinner table. And I think I'm going to go first on this one, Brian, so you have a little more time still. But with this being the end of the year, our last episode we're going to do before going into 2022, I thought it would be interesting for us to talk about what our favorite and least favorite thing for Magic or Gaming was this year. And for me, I was really thinking hard about it because I hadn't thought about this most of the year. I've kind of just been going head down, trying to shovel content out the door, you know, and hadn't really thought about like what has been the best and what has been the worst. And for me, I think my favorite thing had been seeing a combination of the awareness of all the shortcomings in the gaming industry, 
you know, we talked about like these lawsuits coming forward to fix things, you know, having a lot of creators and promoters kind of realize like, hey, we aren't supporting enough women, LGBT people, BIPOC folks, you know, whatever. Like seeing more of that come to light, seeing more of them get involved in different promotions, seeing some of them being used in promos, you know, companies sending out items to have more people in those groups do reviews, promoting their their streams. We are seeing cross promotions with other industries. You know, we obviously we had the stuff coming up with with Post Malone. You know, you saw what's his name, uh, Logan Paul, with his his grade ten Charizard over his <laughs> neck. You know, for a boxing match. You know, we we have Hunter Pence that he's doing a whole like streaming draft series. I think now, like so, there's there's all these things going on that we didn't have before. And it's cool to see things branching out in very positive ways. So despite all the negative stuff that's been out there, it's like we have made a lot of cool steps this year to really highlight and promote things that have been pretty positive. And I think it's easy for those to go by, by the wayside, you know, with all the negativity that can be out there. My least favorite thing has probably been the parts shortages. And I think it's because it seems like that has affected, well, other than just affecting the world, but it's really affected every part of gaming. You know, you have people that couldn't get Xboxes and Playstations this holiday season. And they're they're not even like those are new. It's not like those just came out last month or whatever. Like, we're still, what, a year later and people are having trouble getting these things? And it sounded like it's not going to be much better in the immediate future because they're still having having problems getting parts at the door. Yeah. I mean, we have people I know that are doing different types of content and they're just like, man, I want to get a better computer so I can do this, this and this on streams or I want to be able to edit, you know, more complicated videos more efficiently and blah, blah, blah. But like they can't even get the graphics cards they need or, you know, not without paying a ton of money, you know, to get one of the new ones. So it's just like it's it's really affected gaming in a lot of ways, you know, just top to bottom. And pretty much if you need something that needs a processor or a graphics card, you probably paid more for it unless you, you know, you got on some waiting list. and You're having to monitor your email 24 seven. You know, it's it's a tough situation right now for a lot of people, which, by the way, related note. I discovered a whole lot more people are using Stadia than I knew. Okay. I I started I asked people because I was like, hey, we talked about it on the show, but let me put it on Twitter just to find out so I can get more of a thing that we can talk about it on next week's show. Turns out a bunch of people are using it. Matter of fact, the only couple of people who had a negative opinion of it were people who hadn't even really used it regularly. Like one person even said, Well, you can go watch Jim Sterling talk about it and tell you bad, but I'm pretty sure it's terrible, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, so you haven't used it. You're assuming it's terrible. And two, because Jim Sterling said it, and I ain't clicking on a damn thing from Jim Sterling to even give him a view and want that in my view history. So, sorry. <laughs> like, And I get it. That dude's got a following. Some people like his stuff. Like, I can't handle him. I tried. I can't. Like, I, I, there's a lot of reasons. But, yeah, Stadia, apparently, already doing pretty well. Now, admittedly, my small corner of the universe. So it might just be a lot of dedicated game nerds that are actually like using it. But it was cool to see that. Yeah. A lot of people 
We're like, oh, yeah, try this thing. Try this. Apparently, they let you share codes that get people on so they get like two free months of their premium service or whatever. Yeah, people were talking about all these different ways they use it, how much money they're saving. You know, some use it in conjunction with having another system. So, yeah, like maybe this is a thing that's working out for Google and I, we just didn't know. I'm, I'm for real going to have to dedicate some time to trying it out because it sounds like it might be a thing. But, yeah, so maybe the parts shortages have led to Stadia getting more players because a bunch of people did say they wanted an Xbox or a PlayStation, but they weren't going to shell out six, seven hundred dollars right now. Which is perfectly understandable. Yeah. So so I get it. But anyway, Brian, what did you have for your uh, most and least favorite? Uh, I think uh, just kind of piggybacking off what you talked about, services like uh, Xbox Game Pass, where once you've got the console, you get uh, I think there's something like 200 games on Xbox Game Pass. I'll it, it's the first world problem, as I mentioned on Twitter. I will never be able to play all these, but if there's something I think I might like, I get to go, you know, give it a try and see if I actually like it, end up downloading it. And if, even after they take stuff off of the service, they usually give you a discount to, hey, this game is going away. If you want to buy it permanently, it's 15% off, 20% off, or whatever. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. That's a good one. That's a so good really, one. once you if you are somehow able to get your hands on the console, you you don't have to worry about you know buying games right away. Yeah, that's pretty neat, actually. I, I, it's it's good you brought that up because I I think that is a good positive that people don't really know about the new generation of systems that you know you buy them, but you're getting access to a whole library of stuff even if you never go out and buy a game. Well, they, they dropped Halo Infinite, you know, pretty much day one. So, yeah, that's wild. And, and every every month they're like uh, MLB the show. First of all, on Xbox for the first time, and it is free for you to play. It's mind blowing stuff. Yeah, that just changes the way you interact. Like that's actually pretty cool. And maybe you know, like we said, Stadia is a similar thing. Maybe that's how these things are becoming the norm. Like maybe game companies are just figuring in. This is how we make money now. Very strange, but very cool. And the winners are the consumers on that one. So what about your least favorite? Like what thing bugged you the most or didn't really work for you this year? I mean, I think uh, just looking back over things that I would have said, there's no way this could fail and failed horribly. I think Cyberpunk 2077. Ooh, I forgot about that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it was one of the most anticipated games of the year till it dropped. And you've completely forgotten about it. Uh, yeah, at one point, Sony was just giving you a full refund and pretty much an apology if you had purchased it. You know what I think? I feel like that was a game that couldn't ever meet expectations anyway. I think when people heard Cyberpunk and everybody knows the history that's built into that that whole license and everything else, I don't think it was going to be able to meet enough of the needs of enough people. I think the expectations weren't like, don't get me wrong. The launch was not good. No, not at all. But I don't think they could have met expectations anyway. I, I think there was just too much into it. It's sort of how I feel about the D&D set release this year for Magic, the Adventures in Forgotten Realms. I think like D&D is so many things to so many people that I think it would have been hard to get enough of the right notes in the set to appease everybody. 
I think you almost have to dedicate to say like, hey, we're going to do three sets or four sets of this or whatever. Unfortunately, you don't necessarily get that opportunity in something like Cyberpunk. You know, you, you get your your one release, and if it doesn't catch on, you probably don't get a second one. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing where obviously people will probably come back and revisit it, but yeah, for, for what, again, going from one of the most <laughs> anticipated titles of this year, probably one of the most anticipated titles just to, of the past couple of years to, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about it. That's, and it's been a long time since we saw, you know, really just somebody like, Project Red. I mean, the people that gave us The Witcher. This is just you assumed this was going to be a good game because of the company's track record, and it's yeah, it's been a long time since somebody so well respected kind of fell so hard. I think. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it was news for about two months, and that was it. Yeah, and so Although I guess an uh, honorable mention from last year, Square's Avengers game was also really pretty bad. So there's it's. Man, I heard like I heard a lot of negative about that. And I don't I don't even again, I don't know what people expected out of it. Maybe it was so much out of outside of Square's wheelhouse, it just didn't work. Like I don't I don't know. I think what we all wanted, even from the beginning, where they said this is gonna be a live service game, is nobody wanted that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it feels like whoever was in charge of doing that, it was just so far beyond them that it just nothing worked we just wanted you know like like basically if you look at batman arkham asylum or the spider-man games that sony has done just that with the whole avengers cast would have been enough we didn't need all the multiplayer bells and whistles of the live service but they that that took precedence hell some of the uh avengers the three-quarter view game where you made like little teams of four and went and did yeah, stuff Avengers Ultimate like, Alliance, exactly. Yeah, those are fine. Like you could have done some version of that. And that would have been good. Yeah. Those games are amazing. Man. Well there you go, everybody. Those are the things we liked and didn't like uh from twenty twenty one. So probably not the list everybody thought we were gonna give them. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of how things sized up at the end of the year. But anyway, Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? All right. I am Brian Sionic on Twitter, YouTube, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N, just about everywhere. And if nothing else, be safe out there if you decide to go out for the holiday weekend. Other than just all the normal crap we've been dealing with for 2021, you know, you have drunk drivers and everything else. People are going to be drinking. Be safe during your New Year's Eve celebrations. And as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And please remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.